Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I am Aaron Schweitzer, your host, along with Central Oregon's most intriguing reporter, Laurel Bronze. This podcast is powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. Our guest today is Luann Abrams. She is the founder of CEOX and a board member of the Strengthening Central Oregon Political Action Committee, or as you may have seen, SOPAC. Aerospace engineering degree uh, was attained from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. She worked for a startup aircraft company for 15 years. She also helped build the Women in STEAM group here in Central Oregon, which is an acronym for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. She founded the new, her new company, CEOX, which provides a way for her to advocate for women in leadership roles throughout the country. We wanted to have Luann on today to talk about her role in the community as both a proponent of women in leadership and tech, but also as a board member of the SCOPAC. And the PAC had a lot of success this election, or at least we're going to ask Luann about mm -hmm. her measurement of that success. And almost everyone it endorsed won their races. We're hoping to learn more about the group's strategies and goals for the selection and its plans for the future. Luann, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. Um, well, when we actually air this podcast, I'm not sure you know, what we're gonna be doing, what will have happened in the election, but uh, as we were saying prior to everybody getting on, we're just grateful for a little quiet space right now as we <laughs> wait for the election tallies to come in. So thanks for being with us. Um, maybe we could start by having you tell us a little bit about your career in technology. I imagine aeronautics is a male dominated field when you entered it early on. And what did you learn from that experience that inspired you to go on to do the work you're doing today? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. When I went to college, the ratio of men to women was 10 to one. And after recently talking to my alma mater, I found out that it has not improved greatly at that at that college. Uh, and so I've been in, you know, very male dominated industries for most of my career. Um, and, and so I think that has just shaped some of well, it really shaped everything I do and has caused me to get so uh, involved in elevating women because I've experienced firsthand some of the issues with being a woman in a male dominated space and, and just being a woman in general. But, uh, you know, I think about the very first uh, business meeting I attended getting hired straight out of college and I was the only woman there and one of the men there commented on my legs and I was just, you know, completely shocked and didn't know what to say or how to address it. So um, I, I think being a woman has actually helped me a lot in my career, but there's always been those issues uh, that have been very impactful, like the guy who commented on my leg. Do you do that kind of training for your, for candidates to, I mean, I imagine that's just a constant in the I'm, I'm afraid it is a constant. It's, it's one of the side projects I'm working on right now is I really want to help young girls, uh, high school, college age, be prepared for the real working world uh, because I was not. Uh, so I, I do what I talk to younger women, tell them to be prepared for these, have a witty comeback that just cuts that out right away. Um, 
you know, how to ensure that they aren't being broken down by, by some of the men in the system, because that happens a lot. I found that happened to me many times where an older accomplished engineer was really trying to make me feel like I, I wasn't smart enough and I wasn't good enough when in fact they actually didn't know the answer to the problem either. And, <laughs> and that was kind of their way of getting out of it. So I do, I, I would love to create a course very specific to that. In the meantime, every time I have the opportunity to talk to a young woman, I always bring that up. And I also always ask, you know, have you considered being a CEO? Because I think I, it's, it's critical for women to start thinking about being in leadership, even at a young age versus just kind of floating through and being guided to where they might not want to be. If they have that idea in their head from the very beginning of being in political office or being on a board or being a CEO, I think that that will help guide them and get their, get them there quickly. Well, maybe tell us a little bit more about the STEAM program. And uh, I'm not sure how much of this plays into, I mean, it's pretty focused on the, on the educational basics, but yeah. maybe explain a little bit more about that program. Yeah. So we, um, it was a, it's a program sponsored by TAO, Technology Association of Oregon. And really it's volunteers in our community trying to activate the women in STEAM community here. So before COVID hit, we were having regular mixers where we'd just come together and, and talk, connect, sometimes help solve problems. We created a mentorship program for um, more accomplished uh, professionals to connect with younger up and coming professionals. And that was really has been great because I, I've heard some of the stories coming out of that where one of the women uh, helped her mentee to negotiate a much better pay raise. And, you know, those are small things, but yet they're really impactful and really necessary for women to, to be able to um, learn from other women. And, and the women that have gone through all this, they want to help. Um, let's talk, let's talk about SCOPAC because yeah. um, uh, it has been the, um, the chatter around these days post local election. And yeah. certainly the, um, the city council reflects a big shift towards uh, women in, in um, positions of authority there. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about what your goals were, and we'll we'll start firing a lot of questions at you that we've have about Scopac, and but let's just get a basic understanding about yeah. how maybe how it came about to start. Sure, sure. Well, Scopac was a brainchild of of several people, but um, Carolyn Fitchett, uh, Carrie Douglas, they they really wanted to create a pack that was community focused and really focused on common sense solutions to the problems in our area verse. And it was important to be nonpartisan uh, and, and really get money behind candidates who are underrepresented um, and, and really trying to make great change. So, 
a lot of packs out there currently are very black and white. Like you, you have to have um, like developers um, you want to be very focused on solving their problems, but the problems in our community are wide ranging and there's wide ranging solutions for them as well. So we wanted to allow for people with different solutions that might not fit any individual pack to be able to get funding. Um, and the biggest focus is really getting these underrepresented individuals running for office and helping them make them successful and underrepresented really is a, a wide ranging word for us. Um, we don't have a perfect definition of that, but it is women uh, because women are not running for office. They're often stuck with all of the other um, household duties, family duties that sometimes prevent them from being able to take that extra time to run for office. Yeah. It's focused on the BIPOC community. It's, it's even one of the things we consider being underrepresented is renters in our community because most people that run for office tend to be a little more advanced in age and in wealth, especially in Bend. So so it's important that we get renters in our community running for office because they bring a completely different perspective of how of the problems they face um, and solutions that they can bring to the table. Luann, so I mean, in the history of PACs within Central Oregon, and granted, my history only goes back 20 years, but you know, you've had your standard business-oriented PACs like mm -hmm. the Chamber, mm -hmm. COBA. Kova, mm -hmm. um, and they are also nonpartisan. However, their value system uh, or their drive on business has been almost exclusively focused on conservative candidates and pushing those conservative candidates forward. And that was certainly the case in this election as well. Mm -hmm. um, your group is also nonpartisan, but at the same time, the values that you're talking about and espousing are certainly more progressive. They lean more blue and the slate of candidates that you had was also blue. And that is, is a first for the community to have that kind of group. And you saw, um, you know, a, a great deal of success in, in this last election. Do you feel like that's been overdue and how much do you think you're going to, I mean, how do you adhere to that nonpartisan tag when um, you've got a whole slate of blue candidates on your roster? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, keep in mind that we are really only a year in. This is our first sure. big election. We're still trying to figure things out. Uh, this past year was spent really going through and trying to develop our mission and our vision. And I think that that after this great learning experience of our first big election, um, we're gonna take that and make some adjustments going forward as well. So absolutely, I think it's overdue. And to address the, the thought that we're more blue and progressive, I absolutely um, see that, but I wanna make it clear that our big bellwether issues that we talk about in order for to support a candidate are, are things that are 
um, really embraced by the vast majority of Americans. And, you know, I'll take being pro-choice is one of those things. It's a bellwether question for getting support from SCOPAC. And I think it's over 60% of Americans support that. And so we hope that there will be a lot more Republicans that can embrace that and, and come to us with some of their solutions for these, these difficult problems that we're facing. Affordable housing is always top of mind here the, and transportation. You know, tran- the transportation um, bill that just got passed and, and voted in here was supported by the Ben Chamber Pack as well. So that I think that's a great um, example of how we can support potentially more conservative um, viewpoints, but those bellwether issues are really important to us. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit how um, you recruit candidates and then support them once they decide to run? Yeah, so recruiting is gonna be a big focus now that we're through the election. Um, we really need to sit down and figure out the best way to recruit candidates. So I'm going to take this time with you both to say, if you have even the smallest uh, (laughs) thoughts about wanting to run for office, please get in touch. We have experts who have done it and can talk to you about what it's really like and, you know, give you a sense of if that's really something you want to do. We would love to be talking to you if you're considering running for office. So that's, that's a huge issue. We also want to focus not just in Bend, you know, we want to focus Tri-County and we want to get uh, underrepresented people all about Central Oregon running for office. So we are open to suggestions as well on how to, how to best do that. Um, as far as supporting the candidates, you know, we're raising money as, and we are deploying that money um, in several ways. One of one is just actual cash to the the candidates. Uh, the other one of the things we did, one of our candidates that we endorsed, we paid for speaker training for her because that's where she felt like she really needed some help and so we paid for an expert to come and work with her over the last uh, month and a half of the campaign to really help her public speaking skills we for one of our candidates we paid for childcare for them because you know working full-time and then campaigning you really need that extra help so we were able to do that Um, We will mentor uh, for campaigning ideas and, and, you know, best processes for campaigning. And another thing, we didn't do this this last time because nobody specifically asked for it, but bringing meals to the house for the family while you're out canvassing. Um, I think probably we didn't do a lot of that simply because people weren't out canvassing quite as much in the day of COVID, but we expect to do that. So there's just lots of um, ways that a PAC can support a candidate because a candidate cannot themselves use money to to pay for childcare, but a PAC can. 
So that's one of the ways that we can support them. And Luann, this is maybe more of a comment than a question, but you know, um, conservative candidates have had these support systems in the past. I mean, one of the, I think kind of the criticisms of uh, progressive candidates in Central Oregon is the past and as then that they haven't had the grooming, they haven't had the training. Most of the times they're, they're, run, they're deciding to run because they're passionate about an issue and, and they're learning about the campaign process as they come out into the field. Whereas uh, Jeff Eager for a long time had a, had been training and grooming candidates for, for the conservatives. And I, I just think that the, the, your formation is um, while you've had the success, it's also just a leveler. It gives people a good opportunity. What, what we always look for, especially in our endorsement process is that we're going to have a really good, interesting debate about the issues. And, and it is very challenging for us oftentimes when we have candidates who are groomed, they got a pack behind them, they got a great packet of messaging they're coming in with, someone's at their side who's a campaign aide ready to, ready to help. And yeah. um, the other candidate has just basically come off the couch. They decided a couple of mm -hmm. weeks ago they were going to run and, and it, it doesn't really get the issues out. They think they're going to get the issues out, but in reality, they can't talk to those issues without a real support system like you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I hope that our pack will draw more of those people out that don't have what a traditional background that tends to, you know, turn into running for office. You know, if you look at a lot of the, our local candidates, they're, they're all um, longtime business professionals, right? That have sure. gone into it. So, but we need people representing all types of different uh, industries and, and, and people in our community. So if we can offer that support, that how, how do you run a campaign? How, can, how do we help you with speaking? How do we take care of your kids so that you can go out and campaign? Those are all ways that we can draw out these non-traditional candidates. And I think, you know, it's one of the reasons I fight so hard to get women in leadership and get diverse teams on, in leadership in businesses. It's just shown over and over again that they're more successful, that they solve bigger problems. They're not, they're not just solving one type of problem that one group um, experiences. They're solving problems that numerous people face. And that's why it's so key to have diversity in, in leadership, in politics, in our community. And I, Laurel and I were talking about the 2016 election a little bit before um, we brought you on and we were commenting about the challenges that Hillary Clinton had in her run for office mm -hmm. and the um, just what she had to overcome as a female candidate. And a lot of those challenges were from her women base, you know, the, her, her same gender problems. And I know we spoke a little bit about, you know, the gender inequities and things like that. But I wonder if you can speak as you're training some of these candidates about the challenges they're going to experience from within their own, their own gender bias. Boy, this is such a tough one, because until there are more women in leadership that we see on a daily basis, I think those 
gender biases are going to continue. Um, and I think, I think addressing that stuff head on, there's the whole likability factor. Right. Uh, I was just reading yet another study on likability for, for women. And it seems that, um, you, you can still be likable if, oh, as a successful woman, as long as you didn't actually want to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> or you didn't present yourself as desiring success, yes, right? Yes, you didn't you present know. yourself as being ambitious. Right. Um, and that is just, a, God, that, I mean, I feel like I just am taking a knife to the heart when I read that kind of stuff, because it's just, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. So that's why we <clears throat> got to support women um, so that there's more in office, more in leadership. And we start seeing that as normal and it's right. not normal right now. I mean, if you look at some of the statistics, you know, I think it's between six and 7% of the S and P 500 companies are led by women. Um, those numbers are, it's something about like 20%. If you look at the current makeup of Congress are, are women. And that was after a banner 2018 year for getting women. Like before that, it was just despairingly low. So we have a lot, a lot of work to do to support women. You, you got to be a little careful what you wish for, because I've also heard that 25% of the S&P 500 men are uh, psychopaths. <laughs> and that that's a characteristic. So I, I don't know what that's going to look like as the gender mix starts equalizing. You know, I, I have a theory on that because what we've done up to this point, our society has really supported and um, thought that those those characteristics, sure. those traditional leadership characteristics of that command and control are what we need to elevate when in fact it's shown that those are some of the worst leadership characteristics. So yeah. again, as we get more people and more women that, that are showing the success of these uh, different and better leadership skills that aren't that authoritarian, things will start to shift and it will hopefully we'll see that hockey stick growth. Can you talk a little bit about like what you consider are that are more female type leadership skills and um, Aaron and I were talking before about, you know, are women expected to lead like males, mm -hmm. you know, if they are in leadership. Yeah, so one of uh, the big one is um, just a learning mindset and, you know, being, being out there and saying that you don't know everything and being willing to listen. Curiosity um, kind of goes hand in hand with that. Ha being able to uh, question and not be showing like, I have all the answers and this is what you need to do. So curiosity and learning mindset and uh, practicing self-development are all big ones that women possess in spades somewhat naturally. I mean, all of these skills, I believe, can be learned and taught and um, exhibited both for men and for women. Um, you know, 
resilience is another. I think women have to be resilient, especially women in business because of um, all of the hurdles, additional hurdles that we have to face and overcome to be successful. We learn resilience very quickly. Um, another is development in your team. So it's not just all about you and raising yourself. It's about developing those around you um, and, and building relationships. Uh, women also tend to be very, when given the opportunity, very bold, um, willing to take risks, but they're much more calculated risks. Uh, they're, they're not risk takers in the sense of, uh, you know, going skydiving and, and things like that. They're very calculated risk takers. And that's um, shown to be successful over and over. They're very good at conflict management um, and working, um, using empathy and self-reflection to get through different conflicts. And again, can be taught, um, but showing empathy has not in our culture up until now been seen as a good thing. It's often seen as a negative, unfortunately. I, I like the idea that you could learn a non-adrenaline rush leadership strategy. I'll uh, sign up for that course if, you're, if you're offering <laughs> Lynn, what are your, uh, we're running out of time, but what are your plans for the future? Oh gosh. So really um, making great gains with CEOX. So this next year, um, you know, we've placed a couple of board members and a CEO in, in the past few months. So hoping that just really accelerates and continues over 2021. So that's that side. Um, the Scopac side my personal number one goal, and I think probably most of my fellow board members will agree, is, is just what we talked about earlier is um, identifying, finding these um, women, these underrepresented individuals in our community and in, I want to say, Central Oregon in the Tri-County area to run for office and figuring out how to identify them how to convince them, because it's it's not easy running for us. I mean, I, look at me, I don't want to run for office. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I prefer to sit back and comment. That's right. rather, you know. So that's, that's probably our number one agenda item for 2021 with SCOPAC is, is recruitment of people to run for office that can right. really affect great change here. Well, it seemed like that was one of your themes, even for this office. I mean, I know in our conversations with candidates who you had endorsed and some you, who you had trained, I mean, that they had that mindset coming in that they wanted to win, but they also were in it for the experience, which was also a yeah. new thing I hadn't heard very much before that, um, that it was, they were process, more process driven than goal line. I mean, of course they all want to win, but. Absolutely. Well, and. They all, and you know, that's, I think, how we can affect change even broader beyond and, and why we focus locally here is that uh, a lot of these people then can run for state office and then maybe a federal office. So it's a great way to uh, dip your toe into 
politics locally um, with our support and, and then grow from there. Great. Well, Luann, thank you for spending this time. We're going to probably get off this podcast and go back to our Twitter feeds and, oh, and our news feeds and see who see where we're at. I, I guarantee it's not going to be resolved uh, by the time this airs. So uh, everybody stay calm. We're going to make it. <laughs>